Book Twenty One, Chapter One of Le Mort d'Arthur, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simon Evers. Le Mort d'Arthur, Volume Two, Book Twenty One, Chapter One. How Sir Mordred presumed and took on to him to be King of England, and would have married the Queen, his father's wife. As Sir Mordred was ruler of all England, he did do make letters as though that they came from beyond the sea, and the letters specified that King Arthur was slain in battle with Sir Lancelot. Wherefore Sir Mordred made a parliament, and called the lords together, and there he made them to choose him king. And so was he crowned at Canterbury, and held a feast there fifteen days. And afterward he drew him unto Winchester, and there he took the Queen Guinevere, and said plainly that he would wed her, which was his uncle's wife, and his father's wife. And so he made ready for the feast, and a day prefixed that they should be wedded. Wherefore Queen Guinevere was passing heavy. But she durst not discover her heart, but spake fair, and agreed as Sir Mordred's will. Then she desired of Sir Mordred for to go to London, to buy all manner of things that longed unto the wedding. And, because of her fair speech, Sir Mordred trusted her well enough, and gave her leave to go. And so when she came to London she took the Tower of London, and suddenly, in all haste possible, she stuffed it with all manner of victual, and well garnished it with men, and so kept it. Then. When Sir Mordred wist and understood how he was beguiled, he was passing wrath out of measure. At a short tale for to make, he went and laid a mighty siege about the Tower of London, and made many great assaults thereat, and threw many great engines unto them, and shot great guns. But all might not prevail, Sir Mordred, for Queen Guinevere would never, for fair speech nor for foul, would never trust to come in his hands again. Then came the Bishop of Canterbury, the which was a noble clerk and an holy man, and thus he said to Sir Mordred, Sir, what will ye do? Will ye first displease God, and sith and shame upon yourself and all knighthood? Is not King Arthur your uncle, no father but your mother's brother? And on her himself King Arthur begat you upon his own sister. Therefore how may you wed your father's wife? Sir, said the noble clerk, leave this opinion, or I shall curse you with book and bell and candle. Do thou thy worst, said Sir Mordred, wit thou well I shall defy thee. Sir, said the bishop, and wit you well I shall not fear me to do that me ought to do. Also, were ye noise where my lord Arthur is slain, and that is not so, and therefore ye will make a foul work in this land. Peace, thou false priest, said Sir Mordred, for an thou chafe me, and any more I shall make strike off thy head. So the bishop departed, and did the cursing in the most orgulist wise that might be done. And then Sir Mordred sought the bishop of Canterbury for to have slain him. Then the bishop fled, and took part of his goods with him, and went nigh unto Glastonbury. And there he was as priest, hermit, in a chapel, and lived in poverty and in holy prayers, for well he understood that mischievous war was at hand. 
Then Sir Mordred sought on Queen Guinevere by letters and sounds, and by fair means and foul means, for to have her to come out of the Tower of London. But all this availed not, for she answered him shortly, openly, and privily, that she had liefer slay herself than to be married with him. Then came word to Sir Mordred that King Arthur had erased the siege for Sir Lancelot, and he was coming homeward with a great host to be avenged upon Sir Mordred. Wherefore Sir Mordred made right writs to all the barony of this land, and much people drew to him. For then was the common voice among them that with Arthur was none other life but war and strife, and with Sir Mordred was great joy and bliss. Thus was Sir Arthur depraved, and evil said of. And many there were that King Arthur had made up of naught, and given them lands, might not then say him a good word. Lo, all ye young Englishmen, see ye not what a mischief here was. For he that was the most king and knight of the world, and most to love the fellowship of noble knights, and by him they were all upholden, now might not these Englishmen hold them content with him. Lo, thus was the old custom and usage of this land, and also men say that we of this land have not yet lost nor forgotten that custom and usage. Alas, this is a great default of us Englishmen, for there may be no thing pleased us no term. And so fared the people at that time. They were better pleased with Sir Mordred than they were with King Arthur. And much people drew unto Sir Mordred, and said they would abide with him for better and for worse. And so Sir Mordred drew with a great host to Dover, for there he heard say that Sir Arthur would arrive, and so he thought to beat his own father from his lands. And the most part of all England held with Sir Mordred, the people were so new-fangled. CHAPTER Two, How after that King Arthur had tidings, he returned and came to Dover, where Sir Mordred met him to let his landing, and of the death of Sir Gawain. And so, as Sir Mordred was at Dover with his host, there came King Arthur with a great navy of ships and galleys and carracks, and there was Sir Mordred ready awaiting upon his landing, to let his own father to land upon the land that he was king over. Then there was launching of great boats, and small, and full of noble men of arms, and there was much slaughter of gentle knights, and many a full, bold baron was laid full low on both parties. But King Arthur was so courageous, that there might no manner of knights let him to land, and his knights fiercely followed him. And so they landed Morgris of Mordred and all his power, and put Sir Mordred aback, that he fled, and all his people. So when this battle was done, King Arthur let bury his people that were dead. And then was noble Sir Gawain found in a great boat, lying more than half dead. When Sir Arthur wist that Sir Gawain was laid so low, he went unto him. And there the king made sorrow out of measure, and took Sir Gawain in his arms, and thrice he there swooned. And then when he awaked, he said, Alas, Sir Gawain, my sister's son, here now thou liest, the man in the world that I loved most, and now is my joy gone, for now, my nephew Sir Gawain, I will discover me unto your person. In Sir Launcelot and you I most had my joy and mine affiance, and now have I lost my joy of you both. Wherefore all mine earthly joy is gone from me.
mine uncle King Arthur, said Sir Gawain, wit you well my death-day is come, and all is through mine own hastiness and wilfulness, for I am smitten upon the old wound to the which Sir Launcelot gave me, on the which I feel well I must die. And had Sir Launcelot been with you as he was, this unhappy war had never begun, and of all this am I causer. For Sir Launcelot and his blood through their prowess held all your cankered enemies in subjection and danger. And now, said Sir Gawain, ye shall miss Sir Launcelot. But alas, I would not accord with him, and therefore, said Sir Gawain, I pray you, fair uncle, that I may have paper, pen, and ink, that I may write to Sir Launcelot a seedal with mine own hands. And then, when paper and ink was brought, then Gawain was set up weakly by King Arthur, for he was shriven a little to fore. And then he wrote thus, as the French book maketh mention. Unto Sir Launcelot, flower of all noble knights that ever I heard of or saw by my days, I, Sir Gawain, King Lot's son of Orkney, sister's son unto the noble King Arthur, send thee greeting, and let thee have knowledge that the tenth day of May I was smitten upon the old wound that thou gavest me afore the city of Benwick, and through the same wound that thou gavest me I am come to my death-day. And I will that all the world wit that I, Sir Gawain, knight of the table round, sought my death, and not through thy deserving, but it was mine own seeking. Wherefore I beseech thee, Sir Launcelot, to return once again unto this realm, and see my tomb, and pray some prayer more or less for my soul. And this same day that I wrote this seedle, I was hurt to the death in the same wound the which I had of thy hand, Sir Launcelot. For a more nobler man might I not be slain. Also, Sir Launcelot, for all the love that ever was betwixt us, make no tarrying, but come over the sea in all haste, that thou mayest with thy noble knights rescue that noble king that made thee knight, that is my lord Arthur, for ye is full straitly bestead with a false traitor, that is my half-brother Sir Mordred, and he hath let crown him king, and would have wedded my lady Queen Guinevere, and so had he done had she not put herself in the Tower of London. And so the tenth day of May last passed, my lord Arthur and we all landed upon them at Dover, and there we put that false traitor Sir Mordred to flight, and there it misfortuned me to be stricken upon thy stroke. And at the date of this letter was written, but two hours and a half afore my death, written with mine own hand, and so subscribed with part of my heart's blood. And I require thee, most famous knight of the world, that thou wilt see my tomb. And then Sir Gawain wept, and King Arthur wept, and then they swooned both. And when they awaked both, the king made Sir Gawain to receive his saviour. And then Sir Gawain prayed the king for to send for Sir Launcelot, and to cherish him above all other knights. And so, at the hour of noon, Sir Gawain yielded up the spirit. And then the king let inter him in a chapel within Dover Castle, and there yet all men may see the scowl of him, and the same wound is seen that Sir Launcelot gave him in battle. Then was it told the king that Sir Mordred had pight a new field upon Barham Down. And upon the morn the king rode thither to him, and there was a great battle betwixt them, and much people were slain on both parties. 
but at the last Sir Arthur's party stood best, and Sir Mordred and his party fled unto Canterbury. CHAPTER Three: HOW, AFTER, SIR GAWAIN'S GHOST APPEARED TO KING ARTHUR, AND WARNED HIM THAT HE SHOULD NOT FIGHT THAT DAY. And then the king let search all the towns of his knights that were slain, and interred them, and salved them with soft salves that so sore were wounded. Then much people drew unto King Arthur, and then they said that Sir Mordred warred upon King Arthur with wrong. And then King Arthur drew him with his host down by the seaside, westward, towards Salisbury. And there was a day of signed betwixt King Arthur and Sir Mordred, that they should meet upon a down beside Salisbury, and not far from the seaside. And this day was assigned on a Monday after Trinity Sunday, whereof King Arthur was passing glad, that he might be avenged upon Sir Mordred. Then Sir Mordred raised much people about London, for they of Kent, Southsex, and Ussurry, Essex, and of Southfolk, and of Northfolk, held the most part with Sir Mordred. And many a fool noble knight drew unto Sir Mordred and to the king, but they that loved Sir Launcelot drew unto Sir Mordred. So, upon Trinity Sunday at night, King Arthur dreamed a wonderful dream, and that was this, that him seemed he sat upon a chafflet in a chair, and the chair was fast to a wheel, and thereupon sat King Arthur in the richest cloth of gold that might be made. And the king thought, that was under him, far from him, an hideous deep black water, and therein were all manner of serpents and worms and wild beasts, foul and horrible. And suddenly the king thought the wheel turned up so down, and he fell among the serpents, and every beast took him by a limb. And then the king cried as he lay in his bed and slept, Help! And then knights, squires, and yeomen awaked the king, and then he was so amazed that he wist not where he was and then he fell a-slumbering again, not sleeping, nor thoroughly waking. So the king seemed verily that there came Sir Gawain unto him with a number of fair ladies with him. And when King Arthur saw him, then he said, Welcome, my sister's son. I ween thou hadst been dead, and now I see thee alive. Much am I beholding unto Almighty Jesu. O fair nephew and my sister's son, what be these ladies that hither be come with you? Sir, said Sir Gawain, all these be ladies for whom I have foughten when I was man living, and all these are those that I did battle for in righteous quarrel. And God hath given them that grace at their great prayer, because I did battle for them, that they should bring me hither unto you. Thus much hath God given me leave, for to warn you of your death. For an ye fight as to mourn with Sir Mordred, as ye both have assigned, doubt ye not, ye must be slain, and the most part of your people on both parties. And for the great grace and goodness that Almighty Jesu hath unto you, and for pity of you and many more other good men there shall be slain, God hath sent me to you of his special grace to give you warning that in no wise ye do battle as to mourn, but that ye take a treaty for a month day and proffer you largely, so as to mourn to be put in a delay. For within a month shall come Sir Lancelot with all his noble knights, and rescue you worshipfully, and slay Sir Mordred, and all that ever will hold with him. Then Sir Gawain and all the ladies vanished. 
and anon the king called upon his knights, squires, and yeomen, and charged them whitely to fetch his noble lords and wise bishops unto him. And when they were come, the king told them his avision, what Sir Gawain had told him, and warned him that if he fought on the morn he should be slain. Then the king commanded Sir Lucan the butler, and his brother, Sir Bedivere, with two bishops with them, and charged them in any wise, and they might take a treaty for a month day with Sir Mordred, and spare not, proffer him lands and goods as much as ye think best. So then they departed, and came to Sir Mordred, where he had a grim host of an hundred thousand men. And there they entreated Sir Mordred a long time, and at the last Sir Mordred was agreed for to have Cornwall and Kent by Arthur's days, after all England, after the days of King Arthur. End of chapter 3 Recording by Simon Evers